0: This is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy-to-implement marketing and practice management advice. This is The Stephen and Kevin Show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 110 of The Stephen and Kevin Show. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into exactly why the affluent client refers.
0: Yeah, if you talk to most financial advisors and you ask them how they're growing, they say, well, I get referrals. Well, is that something that you can influence? Is it something you can change? We're going to dive into some of that psychology today. We're also going to give you some tips on ways to to hopefully influence it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the first step of influencing it is understanding why that behavior happens. How can we reinforce it in a really positive way? That's what today is all about.
0: All right. So on to today's topic again, why affluent clients refer. And it's again, it's not just going to be psychology. We'll get into some tips and some practical advice for all of you listening today. But we are going to start with the psychology. We're actually going to start with a little bit of research that we conducted here at Oxley.
1: We asked them, why do you refer, for those of you who do, why do you refer your financial advisor? What are the underlying reasons? Number one was they like being a resource to their friends and family. So if I have a friend or family member who's going through a financial transition or unhappy with their advisor, it makes me feel good to connect them with others.
0: Yeah. For, for yeah. me, that number one is like a little bit of almost like a selfish thing. Like I want to be the resource. I like being seen as a resource.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, number two was I enjoy helping my financial advisor, which we'll talk a lot about today in terms of how do we build that feeling in them? Mm -hmm. Because it's not universal. Like not every affluent investor wants to, they don't feel this commitment to helping their financial advisor grow. It's really those who like their financial advisor. (laughs) You know, and I don't mean that like that some people just don't like them as a human being, but it takes a certain level of passion to help this other person to go out of your way to make a connection like that.
0: Right, well, for sure. So, and 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 it's beyond just that they do a good job for you. There's some emotional connectivity there. Um, Number three was my financial advisor rewards me for referrals. Now, we'll we'll talk about a little bit about that today. We don't think it's a terrible idea to reinforce the behavior um, if if clients are referring you. Um, I'd see that as icing on
1: the cake, though. When I read that one, I wonder what people, how people infer. Which is always the question with the research: is how do people interpret your questions? Yes. When you think rewards you for referrals. Are we talking dinners or events or small gifts? Knowing the rules that exist in terms of small gifts, that can't be the only reason why you'd recommend your financial advisor. Oh, no. All of a sudden, you've sent me the this set of bar glasses, and that drives me to go and connect you with all kinds of people. Right. Right? right. Um, I think that's more icing on the cake, things that uh, that help reinforce good behavior.
0: Uh, number four here was my financial advisor asks me for referrals. And again, this is all in a, in a hierarchy, right? So that's like the fourth option. If you follow Oxley at all, you know that we're not big fans of asking for referrals.
1: Well, the number two slide we have in many presentations right now has on one side pull and the other side push. Yeah. And the point that we like to make is that we're much bigger fans of pull strategies. And in this case, that means if you want referrals, treat people well, give them reasons to connect you with others, as opposed to push, sales, sales, push,
0: right? Well, we we used to conduct research and we used to ask What's your impression of a financial advisor who asks you for a referral this way versus this way? And the, you know, when it came to asking, the affluent just didn't like it. I remember, I don't remember the stat exactly, but I know it was like over eighty percent did not like being put on the spot and asked for a referral. And sometimes that comes from some old school sales training of, "Hey, Stephen, who's ten people? Can you write down a list of ten people like you who you know?" And and that's just they don't like it at all. So. Yeah, I think it makes us all back away a little bit. So let's yeah. look at the, the client-friendly
1: ways to go about this, a way that feels like a natural extension of you being good at your job and treating people well. Mm-hmm. That's really organically how we grow. It's not like when you look at the biggest producers out there, those who are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars a year in new assets, these are not people who, who got there by the the advice we've heard a thousand times over, just asking for referrals. That's it's, not how they got there.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So,
1: Let's look at number one. We're going to take a deeper dive into number one first, which is if they like being a resource to their friends and family, how can we play into that?
0: Yeah. How do we start positioning ourselves as the resource that clients can leverage and willingly leverage, right? Like, hey, like reminding them that I'm a resource in some ways. So we have a couple bits of language here. One would be just encouraging them, say, saying something to your clients like, hey, encourage your friends and family to run ideas by me. I'm happy to offer my perspective whenever, right? Yeah, and that, and that may
1: not be your close to every meeting that you ever have, no. but occasionally saying that I think
0: leaves an impression. Another idea would be content. Mm-hmm. I created, a, you know, hey, I just recorded a video on retirement blind spots. It would be really helpful for some of your friends in their 50s. Do you mind forwarding it along, right? That's, and, and content to me plays such a big part of being that resource.
1: See, it's the easiest way to do it if you think about, I mean, yeah, I'd I'd love it. If I'm a financial advisor and you're my client, I I would love it if you went on this campaign of telling everybody in your life, you know who you need to use. You need Stephen Boswell as your financial advisor. He is the best. Sign up for an appointment with him. Like that's ideal level of advocacy. Sure. Uh, But most people aren't going that far for you. And if they're willing to pass along an article that you wrote or a video that you produced to other people in that niche market, all the better. And It is so easy. It's on the complete other side of advocacy in terms of ease. It is. It's just like, hey, forward this around. Sure, why not? It takes me three seconds. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, Another kind of bit of language here that you can use to position yourself as a resource, you could say something like, hey, if anyone you know needs a recommendation for an accountant, attorney, um, a lender, I'm happy to help. I like that angle because it's not even necessarily about you and your services. It's about other professionals. But it's being the resource.
1: Yeah, I think the difference in some of the language that you're going over here, Kevin, versus when we talked about the overly salesy approaches. who do you know that I could reach out to? That approach is about me as the advisor. Yep. Who do you know I can reach out to? I need to grow. I need more assets. I need more more revenue. The other way is I want to be seen as this person who has a passion for what I do. I, I want to be seen as this person who really goes out of my way to help people who may be making mistakes otherwise. Yeah, And we can get that across just through language like this. It's like, Hey, not only encourage your friends to run ideas by me, but we see people making big financial mistakes, whether it's paying for college, making decisions on when to retire, when to collect social security. There are so many things that people botch because they're not getting good advice. So if ultimately, if the message I'm getting across to you as my client is pass those people along to me, I'm happy to lend an ear and and give them my two cents. It doesn't mean that they have to end up working with me, but I'm happy to have a conversation with them.
0: Yeah. I like the point that you're making. I, I remember an advisor I worked with a long time ago in Southern California this guy, just just a, a, a gem of a person, super nice. And, you know, the feedback that he used to get from his clients, they used to tell him, they used to say, hey, you should have been a professor. You should have been a teacher. Why? Because he was super passionate about making sure that clients understood all aspects of what they were investing in and, and how mm-hmm. everything works. And the guy used to get referrals all the time. And, you know, I'm thinking about that. You know, he probably had that I don't know, you put off that air of like, hey, I'll talk to anyone about this stuff Mm -hmm. because I I care about it and it's important.
1: Yeah, and think about the different professionals that you might use. Let's say that you had a, a real estate agent that you were using. You can tell right away if that's a person who's trying to put you in the quickest sale possible to get you moving so they can collect some commission versus somebody who would objectively look at it and say, I don't think this is the right house for you. Right. Right, you can tell those kind of things from afar. Yeah. So we want that impression when it comes to helping other people in their life. First of all, we want to be vocal in telling them that we're here for that. Yeah. You know, we don't want to see your friends and family make mistakes. Line them up with us. Happy to give them uh, information, and uh, that content can help us in that regard. Putting forth really good content that solves some of those issues is easy, easy shareable. Right. Perfect.
0: Let's talk about number two. Right. So number two is I enjoy helping my financial advisor. I enjoy helping them. So this one isn't quite as selfish. This is about like, I care about my advisor, right? And I want to help that person grow in their profession.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to look at this one from a couple of different angles. So let's say that, you know, because that conjures up to me, Kevin, when you say it that way, that if, if let's say that uh, I, I'm the advisor and you're my client and I'm like 24 years old and I'm right out of school and I started in this, like you want to help me make it. Mm-hmm. Like that's a different level of help even. It's yeah. a fine It's a fine way to look at it. Right. You want to help see me succeed. Now, what if I've been in the business 35 years? I still want to grow. Right. I want to make sure you know that. Mm. And so one thing is, we've got to be willing to tell clients periodically that we are open for business and we're looking to grow regardless of the stage of our career we're at. Mm-hmm. You know, that I might be five years from retirement, but that doesn't mean I'm slowing down.
0: That's a good point.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, I want to be vocal about that.
0: I bet there's some unspoken, you know, relationships there where people just think, oh, that person's made it. Definitely. They're fine. They don't necessarily need new business. And eh, I, don't, I don't really need to. And people
1: don't know your retirement horizons.
0: Right. So for those who are on the other end of the spectrum who were nearing
1: retirement, even five or 10 years out, clients don't know how far, how much longer you're going to work or your desire to grow. You got to tell
0: them. I like I, that. So how, how would you tell someone that you're open for business without, uh, without being, without saying, hey, by the way, I'm open for new business?
1: Well, I think the most general way to say it would be to, uh, to, to say, hey, keep me in mind as you're talking to other people in this niche. Yep. that uh, we'd welcome conversations with them. We're still growing. We've got capacity.
0: Yeah, think of me when
1: mm-hmm. fill in the blank, Yep,
0: right? So that's one. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect is I enjoy helping my financial advisor, meaning that these affluent individuals care enough about their advisor, mm-hmm. right? And they probably have more of a personal connection with
1: yeah, them. Yeah, so the first part of it is making sure they understand your desire to grow. Right. Now let's increase their desire to help. Yeah, Right? I mean, yeah, I mentioned earlier, not all financial advisors have a relationship with clients to where clients are going out of their way to make connections for them. Mm-hmm. And we get there just by being genuine and, and taking interest in other people. Like when you take an interest in really helping them beyond, I manage your investments, they take an interest in you. Mm. If that's helping network for their son or daughter who just got out of college, if that's taking making an extra phone call when they have a relative in the hospital, if it's you
0: know, helping well, I'll, them. I'll give you an example. Oh, yeah. I remember this one. This is an, another coaching client example from back in the day. And he had a client who um, was in the hospital. She was single, you know, a, a widowed lady. And this advisor went and mowed her lawn. And I'll never forget it. Like I, he, he went, you know, after hours, shut down work, you know, went took a lawnmower over to replace and mowed her lawn. And that's when you, I mean, I'm not saying that that's like the strategy for everyone. Start mow your client's lawn, right? No, but it's those little extra things like that that endear them to you.
1: Yeah, so the the core of this is more of the personal relationship that you're forming. The little extras are, you know, we talk a lot about small gifts, Yeah. you know, as a way to show people that you're listening and that you care. And still I'm surprised by how little system we have for this other than holidays, maybe birthdays, Yep, but we need a better system in most financial practices for sending small gifts that show that we're listening and that we're attentive to their 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 life situation. Yeah. So again, people, you know, son or daughter going off to school, a new hobby, a new pet, um, a number of things that can show you're listening.
0: Well, most advisors do it when it kind of hits them in the face, right? When it, when it's like, oh yeah, obviously it's the holidays, we need to be doing something, right? As opposed to knowing what's going on in their life and you know being that attuned and then saying, you know what, we're gonna send this little travel guide.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and for some of you out there, and, and I can relate to this because I'm I'm not wired this way. Like, believe me, I'm not the best like gift giver. Um, me either. Oh, you're better than me. You're usually the one who's like, hey, have you gotten Heidi anything for uh, XYZ yet? <laughs> and I'm like, no, good thinking, man. What did you get? You should yeah, get exa- one of those let, too.
0: Let me tell you where to go. Go to the tiny, tiny <laughs> greenhouse, right? Tiny greenhouse. If they like plants, it's my go-to. That's my go-to gift spot. Anyway.
1: I so. went there and you know what she said? Oh, you must have overpaid for this. These that place is so expensive. Oh no! Yeah.
0: but it's it's amazing. And I was
1: like, true. This was like a little plant that was like seventy five bucks or something stupid. But they're super. But it was a cool super store. Super healthy. Plant, it was it, Steve. was it was it was a cool store though. Yeah, it is. Anyway, cool. but little things like that. So let's say, for example, that you know, let's say that you know Michelle is really is really into that spot, and she really enjoys things from that. If you're the financial advisor and you know that, that might be something you would send her on her birthday, a, a neat little pot that they they made or a plant. Yeah. Something along those lines.
0: And, and I think you get more credit too when you do it on not their birthday. Yeah. Right? So when you when you talked about systematizing it a little bit, it's, you know, how do we engage that law of reciprocity with people, small, or with clients, small personal gifts on a monthly basis. We do two every single month and the whole team's involved. That's how you start getting them, you know, caring about you because you care about them.
1: Yeah, and I, the, where I was headed with that originally is, it's a team effort for these things. And if yeah. you're not necessarily the, the the greatest with coming up ideas or execute them in that regard, have other team members contribute. Everybody's got to play a role in that. And frankly, a lot of other team members may have more conversations with clients than you do. So when you empower them to be able to send gifts, send handwritten notes to remind you of those things, everybody wins. They do. So they feel better about the service you're delivering as a, as a group to your clients and the clients feel better about that experience.
0: I'll give you a coaching tip here. So if you want to implement surprise and delight within your practice, the first thing that you should do is surprise and delight your team members. Right, like surprise and delight each of them so that they feel like, wow, and, and they get the concept, right? Then they wanna take it and they wanna run with it. The other side of it is just getting more social as well. Like if, if I have a personal connection with you, Steven, you're you wanna help me more, right? Um, you feel that that connection so little lunches from time to time. What about client events?
1: Client events. Uh, social media interaction, text messages. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the relationship you have with some good friends uh, good friends of yours and how you interact. Maybe you send an article or a meme to each other every now and then. Yep. Yep. Maybe, you know, you, you grab a beer after work. Maybe, you know, that's the same kind of thing that we're trying to replicate with clients, even in maybe a slight more, slightly more buttoned down fashion. Sure. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that we're trying to replicate across our top 25 clients, if not a little bit beyond that. Uh, but in a measured, planned way.
0: And that's the key. Like we do this stuff when it just kind of happens and it's like serendipitous and oh my gosh, yeah, like we should grab a beer. It works out as opposed to saying, I do one social lunch with a client every single week. Like yeah. as opposed to you know, putting the structure behind it and knowing that over time that will build and deepen relationships from a loyalty standpoint, but also from referrals.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to get back to the original point here, of we're analyzing why people refer. Yeah. If they refer you more because they like you, and they want to see you grow as a professional, we can build on that week by week, month by month, year by year, by little things, showing that we care about them as a person, being inquisitive, taking them to lunch, client events, gifts, all the things that have been around for a long, long time, but we're not doing enough of as an industry. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of uh, analyzing their psyche, Kevin, we've covered the top two. We don't need to get into too much as to, you know, uh, the way you give rewards. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to go about that. If you if they value being rewarded for this, certainly think hard about how you reward people for giving referrals. In terms of, we talked a little bit about this last episode. Thank you phone call, small gifts, you know, just yes. over acknowledgments, handwritten notes, over acknowledgement about that referral. Show them that you're really passionate about it. Uh, but I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about reasons why a client might not refer. Like when we study an advisory practice that's getting no referrals, and we get that sometimes. It's easy to say like, oh, everybody's getting referrals in some way. Not everybody. No, they're not. No. There's some groups who are 100% stagnant if not taking steps backwards because they're losing clients and not gaining them back. There is something broken in those models. Oh, definitely. There's, right? a, there's
0: a fly in the ointment. And when you
1: ask those people, like I and I, and I think about a couple of clients who I won't name. You're welcome. Um, I'm kidding. Um When I I think about clients like that that were just starved for it, they always have a rationale as to why they're not growing and why they're not getting referred. So it might be, well, I'm getting older. Or we didn't have the best performance. You know, the market wasn't good to us. That is the most common cop-out for why someone's not getting referrals. When it's been my experience, the market has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not they're making connections for you. Right. That's my read on it. I, I don't hear the huge producers out there being like, well... Kind of a crappy year in the market, so we're not getting a lot of referrals. That's not the story I'm hearing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because it's about other things, right? It's about the, the it is. service. and I want to go through some of that. And the relationship. Yeah. Some
1: of it is maybe with that specific client. Some of these, so we could have probably categorized this list and reflect this, Kevin. But but bear with me for a second. Um, so some of it has to do with the client that maybe there are privacy concerns and other things that we want to go through. The other parts of it have to do with you that maybe you have dropped the ball with service responsiveness them feeling like you're a really great option that they feel compelled to share with other people.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, so I think you're going to lack of confidence. It's a lack of confidence that they have in their existing advisor and services that they just aren't as compelled to refer.
1: Let me, let me give you another example. All right. So I've been, I, I've been trying to engage. I had this one specific spot in my yard. It's It's a blank slate. It needs some plants, right? And I thought, oh, I could figure that out. It's not my sweet spot. My wife said, no, you need to call this guy. And this guy, uh, she was recommended uh, to by a friend of ours. And I'm like, all right. It's been nothing but a hassle the entire time. I finally got a little bit of a sketch from him. It's just drawn out over oh, weeks. Oh, the process with this guy and has weeks. been a hassle. Yes. And it's driving me insane. Now, ultimately, I'm going to pay him for this design. We'll move on from it. I'll never use him again. And he might chalk that up to maybe he doesn't have other projects, but I'm chalking it up to it was a bad
0: experience, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Just taken forever. So would I recommend him? No, because of a lack of trust in what he's delivering.
0: Right. Well, so, but, and he's going to likely replicate that with someone else, right? So so a big one being conf, confidence. Confidence in their ability to, to make it happen. Um, I mean, so let's look at some other reasons why they wouldn't refer dissatisfaction with services. That's kind of an obvious one, but it's always not that obvious. Like sometimes people are dissatisfied with service providers and don't vocalize it.
1: Exactly. It's like you at a restaurant, not you specifically, but let's say you're at a restaurant and everything's not coming out great. There's a lot of people that'll just be like, no, it's fine.
0: Yeah, it's okay. But, but they're not happy and they're not going back to that restaurant. So maybe we need some feedback there. Again, that's a topic for another day, but that could be one dissatisfaction. You mentioned privacy concerns. I think for some people that might be one. I think that's a small sliver though, right? Um, Those who really don't want their friends and family to know they have money or that they have a financial okay. advisor. Yep. Um, fear of damaging the relationship. So, I mean, again, that could be one where I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to refer someone to you that just doesn't work out and then I'm, I've ruined a relationship with that person. And um, again, these are, to me, these are kind of fringe, a couple of these here.
1: Uh fears about overextending the advisor. I've heard this one before coming from uh, 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 advisory boards that an advisor
0: would pull together.
1: And he had clients saying, you know, we kind of like the level of service you're providing us. If you keep growing, maybe that goes away. Ooh,
0: that's tough. That's tough to hear. You know, it's like the analogy there is, you, you mentioned earlier, babysitters, right? So like, you know, let's say you have a really good babysitter and I don't necessarily want to tell all my friends and family about this babysitter because they'll start using that babysitter and then that person won't be available. If you have small kids, you get that.
1: You 100%. Know, yeah. There's a certain level of paranoia there that all of a sudden we want to have a date night and date night sitter is over at our neighbor's house. You know? It, yeah. It, it's it's uh, it's relatable. Lack of a formal referral process. Now, I think formal is maybe a little, much, a little strong there. But if I'm as a client, let's say I'm the client and you're the advisor, and I don't really know how to make connections for you. I don't really know who you're looking for. That little bit of hesitation might be enough to stop me. As opposed to if we've had conversations over the years where you're like, hey, Stephen, you know, we work with physicians. You know, you're our sweet spot. We welcome a conversation with anybody in your life that you think would be a fit for us, especially physicians. Um, if you ever want to make that connection, a joint email is fine. Just passing along their information to me is fine. Any of those things, just... You no, know, letting them know how to do it. How to, how to go about it.
0: Because, this is, because what happens is you have a lot of these ghost referrals. You have a lot of these, hey, you know what? I gave your name to so-and-so. You have a lot of that, and, and and sometimes you don't even know about it as the advisor. They're just kind of referring, but not really. Having a little bit more of a formal process that you communicate to them, I think, is a great idea.
1: Yeah, and every time you get one of those uh, passive or ghost referrals, you're able to tell them, hey, you know, we find these things work better if you put us in direct contact. Mm-hmm. Like, send a joint email, yes. let's all have a lunch, let's do something along those lines to put the ball in my court to follow up, because people procrastinate.
0: Another one on you, you had on this list here was lack of awareness, so... To, to me, that goes back to, like, do they know that you're open for business, right? Some clients may not realize that their advisor would appreciate the benefit of a referral, which seems crazy to me. Yeah. But it happens.
1: Negative uh, past experiences. Let's say they had referred someone in the past and it went, went poorly, not just with you, but with anybody. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back in our, uh, our Uber ride yesterday, Kevin.
0: Um, oh, because we were in Tampa. Yep.
1: Yeah, and we were in our in our Uber ride, and all of the three minutes it takes to get to our destination, we were getting into. The guy was li- listening to the Breakfast Club, yeah, on the radio, and I was like, "That's the guy that's like getting in trouble because he recommended this other guy and this real estate scam." And anyway, not all these things are that egregious, but if you've referred someone in the past and went poorly, you might not do it again.
0: Right. Um, let's let's end today's session with some ways to coach clients on on how to give you better referrals.
1: Yeah. So let's say like. For example, you wanted, let's say you want to go on a campaign right now. You want to finish this year strong and you want to incentivize more referrals. What would you do?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing that I would do is I would look at the social component. I would say, I would take a look at clients, especially my top, let's say 20, 25 clients. And I would think, what kind of relationship do I have with these people? And is it just business? Is it business and social? And thinking, what are little things that I can do to get more social with them. So it could be the social lunch, which sounds like the most basic dumb bum advice ever, but little things like that can make a big difference. I'd also think about surprise and delight, small thoughtful gifts with them, which I do think is almost like, I, I, re, I remember an advisor I worked with years ago who said, Kevin, I built my business through seminars. If I just start taking clients to lunch, I don't know these clients and it's going to be really awkward. I was like, well, let's baby step into that. Let's do some small, thoughtful gifts, some little things like that. Mm-hmm. Let's start kind of easing into it. But I would take a look at the relationship I have on a personal level with them. And that's where, that's that would be like step one for me.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, to piggyback off that, so step two to me would be to get more out of your existing appointments in terms of referral discussions. Mm. So if you've already got certain things on your calendar in the coming weeks before the end of the year, are you able to actively think about conversations in advance to where in advance, you're already thinking, Kevin's coming in, Kevin's a business owner. I want to talk to him about business owner friends of his and just express my desire to get in front of them at some point. Right? Uh, Maybe that's it. Um, But I'm trying to get more out of each appointment. Maybe it is that I want to find out who some of these business owners owners are that Kevin spends time with. I'm going to be asking him about his recent golf trip. I'm going to be asking him about the board that he sits on. Uh, I'm going to be inquisitive. I'm going to get more out of every appointment.
0: I like that. The, 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 the third one, which I don't, I, I was going to say last, but then you might have another one, um, is, is knowing that when people give referrals, they like to give a little bit of context that a lot of times, you know, it's very rare that I refer someone to you, Steven. And I, let's say I had a yard guy and I would just say, Hey, use John Smith. He's great. Right. I would say, use John Smith. You know what he did? You should take a look at what he did in my yard. Or did you know that he's been doing this for 30 something years and blah, blah, blah. Like, or it's a family business. Like they give context typically. Mm-hmm. So I want you to think about when your clients are out talking about you to other people, what's the context that they're giving? Is Do they know why you got in the business? Do they know a little bit of your background, your story? Do they know what sets you apart and makes you different? And because they are giving something. They're not just saying use, you know, Stephen Boswell is a great advisor, right? They're providing more information. And I want you to think about what that information is and then how we can persuade that.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and you can think about any of these strategies in which are going to be really positively correlated with referrals. So if you made the case that we're going to measure a few of these things between now and the end of the year, and you said, we're going to measure lunches, dinners, events, small gifts, handwritten notes, uh, birthday calls, whatever. You make a list, right? They're not complicated. But if you're going to measure those, and if all those numbers went up between now and the end of the year, you would get more referrals than you would otherwise. Yeah. Um, No doubt about it.
0: I think you can also measure those conversations that you're mentioning during your client meetings. Like, open for business conversations um, about my background. Hey, did I ever tell you why I got in the business, right? Those are small conversations that are pretty easy to have, but over time, they will compound. Can
1: I throw in one bonus?
0: Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's think about ways that you can connect other people.
1: Many of your clients may be business owners. They may be in sales. They Mm -hmm, may be mm -hmm. other professionals. As part of that campaign, maybe it's the number of outbound referrals that you're able to give between now and end of year. Can we measure
0: that? Oh, I like that.
1: You know, so maybe if you're, let's say, Kevin, that you are, um, you're you're a business owner in some line of business. Let's right? Say I
0: own an HVAC company.
1: Let's say you own an HVAC company. I might go to you and say, as, as your advisor, I might say, hey, I was thinking about you. I'm sure you've got a great network in the area. But if there's any way I can help you in, in meeting certain people that would be beneficial to you, uh, you know, I know the CEO of the local hospital. I'm in pretty tight with a few of the local insurance agents right. who, who might send you business. like. Let's brainstorm at some point because, I, I mean, I'm happy to play a role in that.
0: Yeah, I love it. We could even say, let, let's let look at each other's LinkedIn profiles or take a look. You know, I mean, there's there's ways to go about it, but that's engaging the law of reciprocity.
1: And you, think through that dynamic for a second. You as the HVAC company owner, if I'm going out of my way to connect you with insurance agents, uh, people in, in businesses that could have big systems that are expensive, what is the most natural possible thing you would do in return? Yeah. Hey, I need to return the favor. I, I got to put you in front of a few people. A hundred. Right? Those are the people in your life who get it. The business owners, the people in sales, yes, they get it.
0: Yeah, exactly. But look, I mean, look for other ways to connect them. And there might, it might be not even business or money oriented, right? Like maybe they're at a certain point in their life where they're looking to get into a new hobby or a new interest. They're retired at this point. Like who, who could you connect them with? So I, I, I like that a lot because it's, it's, it's kind of leading by example.
1: Yeah, and hey, gang, if you're out there and you're finding yourself challenged to be consistent in some of this stuff, that over the years you've provided a decent level of service, there's some clients you know better than others, you're getting referred, but maybe not at the highest level, coaching can help. That's the whole point of having somebody on our team is they're going to force you to, in a very nice and polite way, <laughs> they're going to force you to do some things that you would not do on your own. That you, is, th-
0: You wouldn't do them consistently.
1: No, and, and that is, we see it across coaching. Um I, we, we see it across coaching relationships for 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, almost 20 for me. People, when they have a coaching call coming up, get active. Yeah, And it does not hurt my feelings whatsoever the day before a call like that to hear them say, oh yeah, I knew I had the call coming up with you. I got it, It's like brushing your teeth and, and flossing before you go to the dentist.
0: You want to be on good behavior. Well, hopefully you do it more than just the one time before no, but, you go to the dentist. No, but if every six months, Kevin, you give a
1: little bit of a tune-up and you brush and, and floss, you know, that's
0: all you need. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have de- different dental hygiene. Now, Kevin's
1: uh, Kevin's the one that does carry, uh, he, he travels with like
0: dentist tools to yeah, clean his I, teeth. So I'm kind of nutty about dental hygiene. So, no, but you know
1: anyway. what I mean. Like it, people, when you have a coach pushing you and you know you have a call coming up with them, you've got two choices. You can punch your call and not have it, which is the chicken way out. Or you can get active, hit some of those metrics like we're talking about, and over time they don't become so tedious. Think about any exercise routine you've been in in the past; the first couple of times it is like heavy lifting.
0: Sure. Oh, getting up early. But then you get to a point when you miss it and you start feeling guilty that you're missing it. You know, like you 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 kind of crave it. In a well, way. it's
1: kind of it's like no big deal. Put on the shoes and let's go.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to. You know, and there's different ways to. Hold people accountable. You know, one of the things that I used to always do is just end with one main action item. You know, I'd end a session. I would say hey, we have one main thing we're going to do. We start the next session with that one main thing, and I liked it because it was just one thing, and you either you do it or you don't. It's, I really. It's not I, like here's five things, and I did two of them. Okay, let's just do that one main thing.
1: And it's one of those things that you know. Otherwise, they just you know calling Mister or Mrs. Big to ask for an appointment. Yeah, probably wouldn't do. And you know what I loved is there'd be 10 minutes left in the call and I'd be like, hey, do you have anything coming up next hour? You got a hard stop here? And they'd be like, no, no, it's all good. Oh, good. Well, you got at least 10 minutes to make that call we've been talking about. Is there anything that would stop you from just hanging up with me and making that call?
0: And then there's there's silence a little bit. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love that. That's a great approach. But yeah, we, we talk about a lot of great marketing ideas that are sometimes abstract. You know, that it's like, oh, build deeper relationships with clients and things. But there's other tactics that are involved in the broader strategy that you can do on a consistent basis. And that's what makes you get results.